Welcome to Parkview. We're glad to have you here. We're in a campaign called 40 Days of Purpose. Uh, Rick Warren wrote a book called A Purpose Driven Life, and we're talking about your purpose, and you're probably already guessing what your second purpose in life is going to be from what we've done already, but let me tell you about it. Adelina Dominguez lived to be 114 years old. Can you imagine that? She outlived all of her children and some of her grandchildren, and at 114, that meant she was older than the states of Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arizona, Alaska, and Hawaii. She was older than AM, FM radio, older than human flight, older than the, older than the Panama Canal, wristwatches, tea bags, ice cream cones, Dick Clark. She was older than all of those. And I know you're waiting for a Cub reference, but I'm trying to be a better person, so I'm going to leave that alone. Can you imagine living to be 114 years old? I mean, I don't want to, honestly. I'm not even midlife yet. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. But there would be some advantages, right? I mean, nobody calls you a hypochondriac anymore, right? I mean, because, you know, you do have all those things. You, can, you don't have to worry about your friends telling your secrets on you because they can't remember them, you know? You quit trying to hold your stomach in no matter who comes in the room. Your joints are more accurate than the National Weather Service. I mean, there are some advantages to being 114, but the beautiful thing about her life was when AP reported on her life and asked her, what is the secret to longevity for you? She said, I knew God had a purpose for my life. That's the secret to living to be 54 or 114. It doesn't really matter. That is the secret right there, to know that God has a purpose for your life. We've been talking about how God loved us, and so our purposes for, uh, that the purposes that he made us are purposes that have to do with us loving him back. The first one being worship. We were planned for God's pleasure. We talked about that last week. Revelations 4.12 says, you, God, created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and are created. We are created beings, and our number one purpose is to love God back. Today we're going to look at the second purpose, which is you are formed for God's family. We're going to talk about how we need each other today. See, Jesus was asked in Matthew 22, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus really quickly, this is what we talked about last week, said, you've got to love God, number one, right? All your mind, your heart and soul and your strength. That's, how, that's number one commandment. The second, he said, let me go on, is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The law and the prophets all hang on these two commandments. So that only makes sense that, that the first purpose for our life is worship and the second purpose for our life is, is community, it's fellowship, it's what we do together, it's loving each other. In the beginning, God said it's not good for man to be alone, so he made family relationships for us. Sometimes that works out, sometimes it doesn't, right? You hear about the bank robbery in Texas this week? Bank robbery in Texas, and the guy wore a mask, and he, uh, he went into the bank, and he robbed the bank. And on the way out, this good old boy Texas hero decided that he would try to break the thing up, and he reached out, and he grabbed the guy's mask, and he pulled the mask off of him so the video cameras could see who he was. And the robber turned around and instantly shot him. And then he turned around, and he saw a teller that was looking at him, and he shot the teller. And then he said, did anybody else see me? And, you know, everybody's kind of awkward, you know, looking down. Anybody else see me? Finally, an old guy said, I think my wife got a pretty good look at you. <laughs> that is funny right there. I don't care what. 
God made marriage for us. He made families for us. And sometimes, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to make light of it. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't work out. So we need a spiritual family. We need something deeper than that. Hebrews 10 says, God is the one who made all things, and all things are for His glory. He wanted to have many children to share in His glory. He wanted a family. Look at the next verse. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. And the entire story of the Bible is really the story of God building a family. That's what it's all about. So Peter says, what should we do? We should love our spiritual family. That's the second purpose of our life, is to love our family, love our spiritual family. Why? Well, several reasons. I mean, you can, you, you remember going back, you can think about this as a parent, if you're a parent, and you know how much you wanted your kids to get along, right? I mean, you wanted to have a relationship with them, and you wanted to get along with them, but you also wanted them to get along with each other. You're driving on the car trip, you know, and they're arguing in the back seat, and they're hitting each other, and you're like, stop hitting each other. Why? Why is that? Because, I mean, they're driving you crazy, A, I mean, baby dedication people, this is going to happen to you, I'm just warning you, okay? But B, you want them to get along with their siblings because you love the other child and you want them to get along. I have three daughters and right now i got kind of a fourth because we got a, a foreign exchange student living with us. I can remember the, the best times of our life as, when our kids were home, and two of them are gone now, but uh, out of the house now. The best times I remember... Our times, I mean, they're girls, so I remember they were in the bathroom a lot, you know. And, uh, and just remember them, like, you know, doing each other's hair for prom or, or, or hanging out together. Um, we took two of them and our, and our Czech girl down. She, she had never experienced the world's best food because they don't have this food in, in the Czech Republic. So we went downtown and got Garrett's caramel popcorn last Friday night. Oh, man. Can you imagine not having caramel popcorn ever in your life? Barbara, I'm so sorry. Uh, so we remedied that. We went down. You know what? We had so much fun together. And you know what's fun? It's fun for Denise and I to have fun with them. But as a parent, you know your joy is just as full when you see them having fun with each other and interacting with each other. That's what we're talking about here. Okay? God said, your first commandment is, <clears throat> obviously, love me. It's worship. But the second commandment is what we call fellowship. It's loving each other. And like worship is un- misunderstood, I talked last week about how we, uh, you know, we, we, we misunderstand and we think worship is about coming to sing or something like that, and how really worship is our whole life. Fellowship is misunderstood too. I mean, you talk to some guys, you know, uh, uh, who do you have fellowship with? You know, they'll be out in the hall, they'll be talking to each other. How you doing? How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? How about the Blackhawks, right? You know, uh, yeah, you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing okay. All right, well, good fellowshipping with you, right? Because you don't, you don't understand, fellowship is more than just hanging out with another Christian. Deep thoughts from a shallow Christian. Fellowship is when Christians spend time together. It is a good way to get to know your Christian brothers and sisters. But most importantly, it is a great way to feel like you're doing something godly, even if your fellowship is just watching a football game together. Anything you can imagine doing with your friends counts as fellowship, as long as there is at least one other Christian in the group, of course. Here's a handy reminder list. Video games, fellowship. Mobster movies, fellowship. Sports on TV, fellowship. Pillow fight, fellowship. Barbecue, fellowship. The list goes on and on. As long as you're hanging out with Christians, it doesn't matter how spiritually neutral the activity is. It counts as fellowship, and that earns you Christian points. <laughs> These have been deep thoughts from a shallow right. Christian. Yeah. 
You don't need you don't need Christian points for anything, okay? There's not like a you know it's not like a green stamp program here, okay? The, the the idea is you need to get deeper and deeper in fellowship, more than watching mobster movies together. Nothing nothing wrong with doing those things together, but here's your definition: fellowship is loving God's family. It's loving God's family. Sure, sometimes that means playing video games, but sometimes it means you've got to go deeper than that. John says the person who loves God must also love other believers, okay? The church is not a building. It's not an institution. It's not an organization. It's supposed to be a family. So there are several levels that I think we go through as we become a part of this fellowship. Let's just keep the ship thing going for a little bit. We start off, we start off on the fellowship by getting on the ship, okay? We call that the membership. That's the first level. That's choosing to belong. That's making a choice to say, okay, I'm going to be a part of this ship, membership. Ephesians 2, you are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. It's a matter of belonging. You know, I hear Christians say sometimes, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't belong to a church. No, you know what? That's like saying I'm a football player, but I don't, I don't have a team. I'm a tuba player, but I'm not in a band, okay? Have you heard a tuba solo? And that, that's, that, that doesn't work very well. Rick Warren says it very, very strongly. He says, a Christian without a church family is an orphan. A Christian without a church family is an orphan, okay? So some of you walked in here like, like okay, you trying to get some new members, Tim? No, no, I, I, we don't need any new members. But if you're going to be here and you're going to be a part of Parkview, then you ought to be a member. You ought to at least sign up. Romans 12.5 says, In Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. It's a decision that you make. You can't say you don't want to be a part of a church. Jesus called the church his body. You can't be a part of Jesus and not be a part of the body. Jesus called the church his bride. You can't say, oh, I love you, Jesus, but I hate your wife. I mean, I understand that, that maybe you've been in a bad situation and, and things haven't always gone well for you in churches, and I'm really, really sorry for that. But the truth of the matter is, if you are a part of the body of Christ, you can't, you know, you can't be the thing from the Adams family. You can't just be a severed hand. That, if you're a liver, you need to be in the body doing something. I was talking with a guy from here last week from Inglewood. He has a ministry in one of the roughest neighborhoods in Chicago if not the world and he had a really good statement for me he said you know what I'm doing this ministry down here in, in Chicago in Inglewood and I got three or four gifts and you know I'm doing what I can but three or four parts of the body isn't a body and, and I need more than that and, and we, you know I thought it was a pretty good illustration the body is supposed to work together we had a, a preacher's thing to get to up in Clarendon Hills a couple of years ago it was Lonnie and Sean and, uh, and, and an intern that we had at the time and myself riding in the car and we're driving up there and we get on LaGrange Road and you know what, you, you live here long enough you kind of forget about the, the whole LaGrange thing but the intern's like, oh, this is the first time he ever noticed it. He's like, LaGrange, doesn't ZZ Top have a song about LaGrange? And so, you know, Sean and I started and we started doing it and Lonnie, who might possibly be the worst contestant ever on Name That Tune started singing Legs. It's a ZZ Top song, and it began with L, but it wasn't LaGrange. It was a different song. And so Sean's giving him a hard time, you know, not only about not having the right song, but about singing it really badly. And Lonnie said, oh, yeah, they should let me sing that for church. And Sean said, oh, that'd be great, Lonnie. You could sing, he's got legs, and he doesn't know how to use them. Because uh, Lonnie's a paraplegic, okay? <laughs> and, and, and so 
the intern is in the back seat about to spontaneously combust because he wants to laugh so hard, but he doesn't know the situation yet. He doesn't know that Lonnie thought it was hilarious, and he's back there going, <laughs> I'm watching him in the rearview mirror. The truth of the matter is, Lonnie's body wasn't designed to have legs that didn't work. And he'd be the first person, he is the first person to laugh at it right out there because he understands that that's not the way God wanted his body to work. And if you don't know Lonnie, he was 19 in a car in a truck accident. That's what caused it. He would be the first person to tell you that that's not the way his body is supposed to be working. Now, the truth of the matter is, God obviously gave Lonnie a whole bunch of extra stuff in the extra parts of his body, like his big old heart, to make up for what he doesn't have in his legs. But the truth of the matter is, we're supposed to be designed as a body that works together. And if we've got legs that aren't working, it's not as good. If you've got a, a part of the body that's not working, it's not as good. It's not as effective. And as the body of Christ, what God wants is if your legs, he wants you to work. He wants you to be a part. You need to be a member. You need to be a part of this. Romans 12 says, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, do it in proportion to your faith. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, encourage. If it's contributing, give generously. If it's leadership, govern diligently. Showing mercy, do it cheerfully. If your legs, you need to work. If you're a hand, you need to work. If you're a kidney, you need to work, okay? And there's a symbol of the body of Christ that we use in our membership in the body of Christ, um, which God has given us. One of the sacraments is baptism. 1 Corinthians 12 says it this way. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrected body. That's what you do when you get baptized. You say, I'm identifying myself as a part of the body of Christ. I'm accepting Jesus, and I'm going to be a part of the body of Christ. Romans 6 says, baptism into Jesus means when we're lowered into the water, it's like the burial. When we're raised up out of the water, it's the resurrection of Jesus. You're, you're going to learn about this in small group this week, but you need to choose to belong. Okay? You need to, you need to choose to be, a, that's the basic level. If you haven't been baptized, Lonnie and I want to get you in there, don't we, Lonnie? We, we want to make this, we want to get you to this point where you're at least saying, okay, I'm a part of the body of Christ. I gave up my Harley a couple years ago, but I still have some neighbors that have them. I got a lot of friends that have them. It's better to have them, you know, a neighbor with a bike than to have your own bike because, you know, and they have to pay for it. It's like a boat, right? So, so I, every once in a while, I ride my neighbor's bike. And, and last Sunday night, I rode up to Bolingbrook to have dinner with my daughter. And, it's, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just fun to ride on, uh, you know, the motorcycle and just feel the wind. I mean, it really, it's, it's a great thing, okay? But one of the fun things you forget when you haven't ridden for a while is that when you're riding, you're part of a club. And there's a secret, there's a secret wave. Do you know this? There's a secret little greeting when you're a part of the club. I mean, it, it's something that you don't know, but as you're riding and you pass another motorcyclist, another Harley, you're supposed to do this, Okay? Yeah, I, not like, not like this, because they won't wave back at you, but you, you know, you just ride and you're like, I'm cool, you're cool too, and you give them the thing, you know, one little finger down here, not the other finger, but one little finger down here. And, and, and it, 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 is, it gets in your head, it's so bizarre, because you're like, yeah, this is cool, I'm cool, you're cool, how you doing? You got this little thing. If it's a crotch rocket, sometimes you wave, sometimes you don't, but you know what? You, you're, you're just riding, yeah, if you're a crotch rocket, you go like that, exactly. <laughs> Bernie, you're getting me in trouble, man. So, what was so funny about this to me is that 
as I'm giving everybody, you know, the, the, the wave, I'm laughing to myself because it's not my Harley and I'm not cool, you know? I'm just a hypocrite, you know? Hey, how you doing? I'm just faking it, okay? What, what am I saying? What I'm saying is, if you're part of the body of Christ, then become a bar, part of the body of Christ. If you're going to be a part of Parkview, then become a part of Parkview. Go to the What We Believe class. Get involved in membership. Get, you know, join up. That's the very, very bottom level is that you, get, you become a part, you become a member, okay? The second level is, um, is that we get to the friendship level. The friendship level. Okay, that, that's moving on up. Okay, it's good, not good to be a man, man to be alone. The, the Bible says in Acts 2, all the believers met constantly together and shared everything together. Okay, I'm talking about moving up to the next level where you're choosing to share. How do you do that? You meet together and you share things. Okay, you look at people and you say, man, they got such deep friendships. I wish I could have that. No, you don't. Because the way that you have that is by making a commitment to meeting together and sharing. Okay. If you make that commitment, it doesn't matter how long you know someone, you're going to get to a deeper level, okay? It's a choice. And you can't, you got, you got to make time for those things. You got to share everything. The Bible mentions several things that we should share together in fellowship. Uh, for example, experiences. We should share our experiences. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, sharpens iron, one man ought to sharpen another. What does, what does that mean? It means if you had a bad experience because you did something and this is how it turned out, then you ought to share that with me so I don't end up in the same place. If you have a good experience because you did this and, and God did this in your life, then you should share that with me so that I'm encouraged. I mean, we share our experiences. We share our problems. The Bible says, cast your burdens on each other and fulfill the law of Christ. Share your burdens with each other. If you share a problem, it's cut in half. If you share a joy, it doubles. If you share a problem, it's cut in half. That's the, that's the math of fellowship. That's the way it works. The Bible says we should share our homes. A lot of you are doing that. Over 300 small groups going on in our, in our area right now. And I love that because you, you've figured out you don't have to share your nice home. You don't have to share your clean home. You just share your home. You just open up and share your life. You don't have to fake it. Just share your life. The Bible says open up your homes to each other. We have a slogan around here. We want to grow larger and smaller at the same time. And people have, you know, well, what does that mean? Well, we want to grow larger and smaller at the same time. We want to grow larger. We want the church to grow. We're glad you had to scoot over to let people in at the 11 o'clock service. And we're going to keep moving you out of here and getting you over to Saturday night so that we can get more people in here. We're going to keep doing that. We were the 88th largest church in America last year. That's the first time we've ever been on a 100 largest list. And that's good. That's good. I'm finally coming to peace with that. That's good because that's people. Okay. But at the same time, I'm equally or if not more excited about the fact that we have more small groups than we've ever had before. We have twice as many small groups as we had people when I came here in 1990, okay? Over 300. I, I love that. And we want to grow larger and smaller at the same time. That's the way it works because there's no fellowship going on with you right now. You're not fellowshipping. You're not fellowshipping with me. You're not fellowshipping with each other. You're just sitting there, okay? And you might peel off and go have prayer with someone or share something, but you're not going to have fellowship in this group. You need to have fellowship in a smaller group. You need to share, Romans 10 says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. What am I talking about? I'm talking about getting in some kind of a small group or a ministry group. And I know that's scary for you. I know it is. Some of you have even tried a group and it didn't work out so well. Um, I'll show you this and explain it in just a minute. I wanted to show you that because I wanted to help alleviate your fears. Okay, If you get in a group like that, leave. 
really that simple. Okay, listen, just because you went to a restaurant and had a bad meal once didn't mean you quit eating, right? If you've had bad experiences with small groups before, go try, you know, try another one. You didn't quit dating on the first time you had a bad date. You got to keep at it. Try to find this, this, this next level, this next level of fellowship together where we're not just members, we're actually able to share together, okay? Um, the third level is partnership. Partnership. It's great to have, uh, be a member or be a part of the body. It's great to have friendships in the body. Um, but you've got to get to the point where you actually function in the body. There's a small town church that had, small town that had three churches, Presbyterian, Methodist, and Baptist, and they had this squirrel problem. There were lots of squirrels all over, and they were, you know, tearing things up, and so they tried to figure out what to do with it. The Presbyterians, because of their doctrine, determined that the squirrels were predestined to be there, so they did absolutely nothing. The Methodists, in their doctrine, are loving people in the, in, the, in the tradition of John Wesley. They decided they would humanely trap these squirrels. They took them to the edge of town, to a park. They let them go. The squirrels instantly came back. The Baptists fixed the problem. They made them all members, and they only see them now on Christmas and Easter. <laughs> Baptists always figure it out. Amen? Listen, God did not bring you to Parkview to sit and soak in some spiritual spa, okay? If you're looking for a soaker church, there are some of them out there. This is not one of them. Don't misunderstand me. Again, I know some of you come from some rough church situations, and maybe you do need to sit and soak for a little while. I'll get you some cow gone, man. I can't believe some of the stories you've told me. But after a while, you need to actually get to the point where you're not just a member, you're not just a friend, you're a partner, if you see bubbles coming up from this place, it's not because it's a hot tub. It's because it's class five whitewater. We need you to paddle. We're the fastest growing church in our five-state area this last year. What does that mean? It means if you want to be a part of it, you need to paddle. You need to partner with us. Financially, we need your partnership. We need your service. We need you to partner with us. Partnership is doing my part, okay? That's how it works. That's love and action. It's great to share your heart. You know, it's great to be a part, it's great to share your heart, but it's even more when you get to the place where you're actually involved. 1 Corinthians 3 says, we're partners working together for God. Growing up, maybe you had a dream of being a part of a team that, that you know, had significance. You dreamed of going to the World Series or going to the Super Bowl or whatever. You know what? There are people in our congregation that have been to the Super Bowl. There are people in Parkview, a couple of people I know of, that have been to the World Series, have World Series rings. I could talk to any of those people and say, what's more important, what you do for God or going to the World Series or going to the Super Bowl? And I know them, and every one of them would say, oh, what I do for God is more important because what I do for God is eternally significant. You want to be, you've always dreamed about being a part of a great team. This is a great team. And you know what? I, I, want, to, I want to assure you of something. There will be no cub jokes in heaven. <clears throat> I can tell you that. And it's not because I won't be there. I will be there. I won't be telling cub jokes. You know why? Because who cares? Right? I mean, what, what are you going to say? Oh, it's been a billion years since your team won the World Series. <laughs> so what? It's been 999,990,900 years since your team won the World Series. Who cares, right? It, it, all of a sudden, all these things, you see, that's a problem. When we live in that little dot that I drew the circle a couple of weeks ago, when you live in that little dot right now and you're thinking about <clears throat> the dot and where the Bears are going to win today and where you're going to eat and all those kind of things, you forget that for eternity you're going to live on the line. And when you live on the line, what you did right now for eternity is the only thing that is going to matter. It doesn't matter if you went to the World Series. It doesn't matter if you won the World Series. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you did something for eternity. You, you moved a parking cone. 
You took care of a, a, a baby in the nursery. Those are the things you're going to look back on and go, oh, I'm really glad I spent some time doing that. You're part of the greatest team ever. The whole body, Ephesians 4 says, is fitted together perfectly. It's been fun to look back on this um, because um, if, if you're just coming in, you're thinking, 40 days of purpose, wasn't that like a long time ago? Yeah, we did it seven years ago. We're doing it again because we thought it was really fun and we liked the synergy of doing it all together. But it was been fun to look back at my notes from seven years ago. Seven years ago, 2003, we were six months into our Orland Park location. Just seven years ago, we were six months into our Orland Park location, meaning the building that is now our children's wing. That was our whole building. Our children's wing was our whole building seven years ago. We were running about 1,500 people, and in my sermon, I was saying... We're on fire. Where are we? we need you to paddle. It's white water. It's crazy. We just made the list of 100 fastest growing churches in the country. It was the first time we'd ever done it. It was 2003. It's fun to look back on that. Because you know what? We've been on the 100 fastest growing churches list every year since then, except for one when we physically couldn't put any more people in here. And we're four times larger than we were seven years ago. Four times larger. You know why? Do you know why there's this and this building and somebody to move cones in the parking lot and take care of your kids? Do you know why all of this is here and we're four times larger than we were seven years ago? Because we didn't have a bunch of squirrels. We had a bunch of partners. And, and as my mind's been trying to wrap around the possibility of what seven years from now is going to look like when we do this 40 days of purpose thing all over again, it's mind-boggling. But the only way that we're going to be effective is if, as Ephesians says, each part does its own special work and helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The whole part. Teams that win championships are not teams that have superstars. Not always. Sometimes they are. I mean, you know, if you're watching the ALCS, and by the way, if you're part of Parkview, you're rooting for the Rangers. That's just part of your membership requirement. <laughs> Not because I like the Rangers so much, I just don't like the Yankees, okay? But, but, but here's the deal. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Um, here, here's the deal. Josh Hamilton from the Rangers is coming to be with us. He and his wife are coming January 8th and 9th weekend. So I want Josh Hamilton to have a World Series ring. So that's why we're rooting for the Rangers, okay? But the Rangers have gotten to this point, not because they're full of, I mean, it's going to be hard to beat the Yankees, because they got all of these superstars. They've got the highest priced people in baseball. They're the best team money could buy. That's what we call them, right? It's going to be hard to beat them because they've got that. The team that's going to beat them is a team that is able to play together as a team and not be a superstar, but be able to be together, be a part of the body, to have a part to play. We're supposed to be together. John Orberg wrote about a friend who went to uh, the South for the first time from California. He'd never been to the South. And there's grit. If you've never been to the South, there's grits with everything you order on the menu. You get that, right? Grits. And nobody really knows what they are, but they're always on there. Okay? And this guy was like, you know, he, he finally, this guy finally asked the waitress, he said, Ma'am, what is a grit? And she said, Honey, they don't come by themselves. 
She didn't say what they were, but she wanted to make sure you know grits are plural, okay? You can't get a grit. And it should be the same way about Christians. Christianity ought to be that way. So I ask you, what, what is the next ship that you ought to be getting on? Is it membership, choosing to, be, to belong? We have a What We Believe class, November 7th, Sunday morning, 1030. We invite you to come and be a part of that. Be a part of the membership class. Find out what's going on. If you haven't been baptized, do it. Say, I'm not ashamed to be a part of the body of Christ. You need to do that. Maybe it's moving up to the next level and choose to share and be in a small group. We, it's still a time for you to do that. You can still get in. They've only met twice. You can still get in these 40-day small groups, and we want you to do that. And if you don't like yours, didn't work out really well, you had some crazy lady running it, then find another one. Don't give up. Maybe it's uh, getting involved in partnership and finding out, finding your niche, finding what part of the body you are so the body's all working together. As a pastor, I've been at the bedside of many people while they were dying. So is Lonnie. So, so, so is a lot of us. You know what? You can ask him, but I guarantee you, I have never ever had a person on their deathbed say, hey, could you bring me my diplomas? Hey, hey, could you bring me my trophies? I, I want to see my trophies again. Could you bring me that gold watch that I got when I retired? I'd like to see that one more time. Never. What do they always say? I want to see my family. I want to see my family. Which brings me to the fourth level that I hope that we can all get to at some point. And it's the level of kinship. Kinship. You know, you think kinfolk, kinship. You may be thinking Beverly Hillbillies or my in-laws or something. But I'm, I'm, talking, about, I'm, I'm talking about when somebody says, we want to give you, the, we need to notify the next of kin. That's what I want you to think in your mind. That's the kinship. Who are you the next of kin to? I'm not talking about your physical family. I'm talking about people at the deepest level that you share life with. Acts says they were like family to each other. Romans 12, be devoted to one another like family. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. And it's the same kind of deep love that we're supposed to have for each other that we have for Jesus. You know John 3.16, God loved the world that He gave His Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, would have everlasting life. Probably heard that one before. Do you know 1 John 3.16? Because it's really almost as important as John 3.16. It says this, We know what real love is, that Christ gave His life up for us, and we ought to give our lives up for each other. 1 John 3.16, the letters that John wrote later on in the Bible. We know what love is, and that's to give up our lives for each other. And I ask you, who is it that you have that deepest level of friendship with in your life? I have a, I have a lot I have some people uh, that I married into. My brothers-in-law and I are, uh, have that level of friendship, and we talk and we share. I have three other pastors, Greg, Ben, and Eddie, that we've all just come together and decided that we're going to be there for each other. One pastor's in Springfield, Illinois, one's in Baltimore, and one's in Cleveland. And we are guys that just get together and we pray for each other. And I want to tell you something. This week, one of the guys in our group had a pretty tough spiritual attack, a very definite spiritual attack. And he let the other ones know, and they prayed. And I want to tell you something. I saw miracles happen. I, if it's possible for you to believe this, I believe in the power of prayer more this week than I did last week. And I hope that next week I believe in it even more than this week. But let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. 
I believe in the power of prayer, but I believe that when Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in their midst, there's something more powerful about kinship prayer. And I saw it work. I saw it happen this week. I absolutely saw miracles happen this week in the life of some friends. Who do you have in your life that you see the power of God working because you and your friends and your kin, your next of kin, were in their life and you were praying and you were sharing? Can I just... Can I just say this while I'm on it? Would you please pray for Greg and Ben and Eddie and their churches? Two of them are in capital campaigns kicking off right now today, praying for them a lot about the things they've got to do to build. Uh, Greg, Ben, and Eddie, just keep them, in your, keep them on your prayer list. And my brother-in-law is Jack and Doug. I, I, w- I, would, I would covet your prayers for them. And would you pray for me and my wife and my family? Because you know what I realized this week? Uh, what, what I realized this week is that I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Satan's most wanted list, aren't I? I started thinking about it. I started thinking about perspective. I mean, you know, there's, there's a post office in hell, and it has the most wanted list on it for Satan. The pictures are the 100 fastest growing churches in the country and the 100 largest churches in the country. I got a picture on both walls now. So Satan wants to bring me down, and Satan wants to bring down my friends, and he wants to bring down the people that, that are leading his church. And I would just really, really ask, I would really, really covet your prayers. But I would really encourage you to be in a group and get to a place where you know you've got people around you that can hold you up and can lift you up. Greatest commandment is love God. It's worship. The second greatest commandment is to love each other. That's fellowship. John 13 says, your strong love will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Listen, I don't want the world to know Parkview because of their sermons or their strategies. I don't want them to know the Parkview because of our buildings. What we want the world to know about Parkview is that they love one another. A secular historian said of the early church, Behold how they love one another. You want to know why things grew, why things worked the way they did? Because they had kinship, because they loved one another. Because you know what? People aren't looking for religion. They're looking for family. They're not looking for doctrine. They're looking for love. And they're looking for it here. And we need to help them find it. I'm going to show you a clip from a movie. Uh, it's an older movie. It's called Antoine Fisher. The Denzel Washington movie, he produced it. He starred in, in, in one of the roles. But this young guy, you're not going to see him in this, in this scene at the end of this movie. Antoine Fisher is this kid who was given up uh, to the foster care system. He was abandoned by his mom when he was young. And he grew up in the foster care system and he was abused. And so he ended up finally going into the Navy. And in the Navy, he was always getting in fights and always getting in trouble. And he runs into finally, uh, has to go to the shrink. Of, he was in the Navy had to go to the, to the psychologist in the Navy, who happens to be Denzel Washington's character. And it's a, it's a really gripping movie about how Denzel Washington finally encourages him, hey, you know what, you need to go deal with your past. You need to go confront your mom, find your mom, confront your mom, and find your family again and find out what's going on. It might not go well, but you need to go find them. The scene I'm going to show you is a scene from the end of the movie when Antoine Fisher has found his mom and made peace with his mom and, and gone through all that. And her extended family has all gotten together to welcome home this new son or grandson that they didn't even know that they had. And as you watch this, I want you to think about it from the perspective. I I don't know what's going on in your physical family, but as you watch this, I want you to think about your spiritual family and how important it is to find a place where you belong.
That's what everybody longs for. The reason you have those deep feelings right now after watching that scene is because there's a hole inside of your heart that's designed for it to be filled by God and to be filled by your family. We share a meal around here every week. Um, it's not fried chicken and pancakes, but it's the Lord's Supper. and We're going to do that here in just a minute. We're going to share all together. And I hope that if you've just walked in and you've, you've been gone for a really, really long time from God and from His family, that you just feel, that you feel like maybe you've walked in here. Someday you're going, to, you're going to go to heaven and it won't be grandma, it'll be Jesus and he'll, he'll knock on the table and make you come over and he'll hold your, hand, your, your head in his hands and he'll say welcome. But for right now, it's all of us who want to say welcome. Share in this meal with us right now. Maybe, you, uh, maybe you've never accepted Christ. This would be a great time. This would be a great time as we have communion, as we share around this meal to say, I want to be a part of the family. Maybe you've been a part of the family for a while and you realize there's, there's, another, there's another level I need to take this to. There's another ship I need to get on. There's more to this. Whatever it is that's going on right now, I'd like for you to replay that scene in your mind as we take communion, as we spend a moment in quiet. And I want you to imagine what it's going to be like in heaven someday when we get to do that all together. But I want you to ask God how you can make that happen in this world right now because the family doesn't start then, it starts here. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray for our, uh, our congregation here. I thank you for the miraculous things that you've done in answer to prayer over the last seven years since the last time we did this 40 days thing. I thank you for the way that you work in our lives and in our, in our, in our church's life and I thank you for the members and the partners who are here that aren't squirrels there they've been involved and have allowed us to be at the place where we've been able to welcome more and more people around your table help us as we look forward to being those same people who are willing to have the same love that the first john 3:16, the same kind of love for our brothers and sisters that jesus had for us lord if there are people in this room who don't know you, they don't know if they're going to be around your table in heaven. This would be a great time for them just to open up and pray to you from their hearts and say, Jesus, I do want to be there. I do want to be with you. I do love you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I want you to come into my life. As I eat this bread and drink this cup right now, I will eat and, and drink in fellowship with you, and I will accept your death is my sacrifice so that I can live forever. Lord, for all of us, we come together as a family around this table right now. We come together just, just to be able to worship you, to fellowship with each other, and to be very, very thankful that whatever's gone on in our physical family, we are a part of a spiritual family. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.